today on Learn Me Something. The Radium Girls. Versus. Conan Doyle's Fairies. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Caleb and this is my co-host Josiah. Hello. And welcome to Learn Me Something, episode 7, I believe, right? Yes, sir. Yep. Nice. So, if you haven't been here before, this is a competitive podcast where each episode, Josiah and I come together to present a fun or serious or intriguing topic, uh, and it is your job as the listener to vote for whose topic was better. Each episode, there will be one winner and one loser, and the loser will have to do a punishment that is usually pretty hilarious, in my opinion. <laughs> Did I miss anything? Uh, I don't think so, but it's hilarious for you because I've lost three episodes in a row. <laughs> yeah, this is our longest win streak on the episode so far, I think, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I... Uh... I lost last week, and my punishment was that I had to attach my thumbs to the inside of my palms <laughs> for 24 hours. So uh, wait, how did you how did you do it? Did you just tape it? No, I had I have this little uh, headband that I like cut in half, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and wrapped it around my my hand over my thumb. It was not very fun, let me tell you. <laughs> it. <laughs> I I started at ten thirty at night, so I started off sleeping. Okay, uh, nice. I thought that would be better, I guess. But it it kind of got started to get uncomfortable pretty quickly. Oh, really? Yeah, and then it just stayed uncomfortable for a while. But the interesting thing is, I kind of started to use my index finger as my thumb, <laughs> and you'd be surprised at how you can just. There's a different ways of grabbing things. Hmm. But I also felt like a, a little kid, like whenever I would drink something out of a, a cup, I'd have to use two hands. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, this might be my favorite punishment that we've done, <laughs> just because it's so random and hilarious. It was not fun. And then, like, <laughs> having to tell people, oh, yeah, I... Uh, can't use my thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about you having to explain it to everyone. Yeah. So what day? You did it on Sunday, right? Yep, Sunday. What was the most difficult part? I think the length of time. <laughs> it's just It was just like <laughs> I could figure out ways to get by without my thumbs, but for a whole day, it was not fun. And it made me... It made me appreciate my thumbs a lot more. Because <laughs> something that was interesting was I tried to pick up a cereal box with like my, between my index and middle finger. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't just because that like the pinch strength between those two fingers is really weak compared. Oh, to... Oh, it's just not strong enough. Yeah. <laughs> oh, opposable thumbs. I know. How we love you. So. uh you can get creative with how you pick things up if you don't have thumbs, but it's difficult. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was thinking through how some of the most simple tasks would be just, I can imagine, just so inconvenient. Yeah. Like 
zipping up your pants in the morning or <laughs> I just wore shorts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I I did take them off to like wash my hands. Yeah. And, For uh, social distancing um and hygiene purposes. Right. I guess right. <laughs> I guess washing your hands wouldn't be social distancing. <laughs> well, uh hygiene, yeah. By the way, um, I have a small list of phrases and words I never want to hear again, and social distancing is, I think, at the very top. <laughs> Not because it's a bad thing, but because I'm just so tired of hearing it. Yeah, yeah. I rem- I uh, I was looking back at some videos I did for my church at the beginning of all this, like the first video about, uh-huh. like the first COVID update, and it was kind of funny because... In the description, it was like talking about, it didn't just say COVID, it said the COVID-19 virus. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, just in case people didn't know, but like now Here's if you said that, is. you would get mocked. Like, <laughs> oh, why? Who says <laughs> that whole thing? What a loser. <laughs> oh, another one, another phrase I never want to hear again after this year is, these interesting times or these troubling times. <laughs> these uncertain times. <laughs> yeah. Unpres- or unprecedented times. Unprecedented. Wow, yeah. sorry for taking us on that tangent. Oh, no, this is a, a podcast. Yeah. Okay. I think that's what these are for. <laughs> it's a, Podcasts are all about tangents. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, anyway, I am ready for this week. I am not going to lose this week. And, uh, I've got we'll a, I've got a really really good topic I'm excited for. Okay, well I'm bringing the heat, and I'm really excited about my win streak, and I'm uh, <laughs> I'm going for the record here, which okay. is not too difficult because uh, we're the only podcast that's doing something like this. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, three episodes is the world record for a comp- competitive learning podcast so far. And I intend to make it four. Okay. Well, I hope it gets to your head so that it's a harder loss. <laughs> yeah. Bring it on. Bring it. Okay. Uh, so what we normally do is play a game to decide who goes first. And this week we are going to play basketball. Yeah. But some of you may be wondering, wait, don't you live in completely different states? And the answer would be yes. <laughs> We do. Okay, so uh, we've got to score as many balls as you can in 45 seconds. Okay. Ooh. Oh, this is harder. Th- oh, wait. Never mind. I'm, I'm on it. Oh, you're going down. So anyway, we're playing this on our phone. In case you're, <laughs> in case you're still confused. <laughs> it's, it's almost like you're... It's not like you're shooting it. It's like you're kicking it into the basket because it's just... The ball's sitting on the floor. <laughs> Oh, I didn't even think about that. Why would you be... Yeah, that just doesn't make sense. I'm getting the hang of this. Uh Uh-oh. This is much easier than real basketball. (laughs) We should never play real basketball again. This is way more fun. Oh, I guess there were only two rounds. It just says, you lost. (laughs) (laughs) I lost. You did not lose. I lost. Okay, uh, you know what? I think I will go first this week. Okay, do it. Okay, so for my topic today, I will be talking about the Radium Girls. Have you ever heard of this? Uh, no, I have no idea what that means. Really? The Radium? 
Radium Girls, yeah. Yeah, I got nothing. I'm excited. Man, I was this was like one that I was sure that you had in your list and I wanted to do it quick so I could do it before you. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. No, I have never even heard of it. I'm excited. Okay. This is awesome. It's kind of funny because like once I start re- researching something and then I see all these videos and articles and books about stuff, I'm like, oh, I guess everybody already knows about this. That's my worry <laughs> every single episode yeah. once I get into it. Okay. So this this story begins back in the 1910s. Okay. Uh, actually, it probably begins before that. But radium was discovered by Marie Curie and her husband, Pierre. And they... Mariah Carey. <laughs> so, so Mariah Carey discovers radium, right? <laughs> back in the 1900s. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I won't interrupt you. Keep... No, it's okay. <laughs> Go. Uh, yeah, so radium was discovered, and it was discovered that it could shrink tumors, Uh and it was like this new miracle cure, and it started to become a fad, uh, kind of at the beginning of World World War I, Uh and people were coming up with all these different uses for it, and like, uh, one man claimed that he could, he cured blindness, uh-huh. With it. Uh, so basically the thinking was, if it shrunk tumors, let's just use it for everything. <laughs> Why, let's you know? put it in our toothpaste. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, for example, there was this radium water called Radithor that was uh. basically supposed to be like an energy drink. Yes. They put it in, in lipstick. They had radium chocolate. They had radium butter. Which Holy cow. Was Some of these things... They say there was just that was just marketing. There's no actually no radium in it. Cause this was back before you weren't allowed to lie anymore in advertising. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, maybe not as much. <laughs> <laughs> uh and then there's actually one thing called the <laughs> radian doc ra- radio endocrinator. Radiendocrinator. <laughs> it sounds like something that uh, the bad guy in Phineas and Ferb would come out. Oh, with. like his. <laughs> what is it? Doofen, Doofenshmirtz or something? Yeah, Doofenshmirtz. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this thing, it was like the shape of shape and size of like a deck of cards, and it had a little little bits of radium in it, and you're supposed to wear it like an athletic strap. It says, okay. so like you, yeah, you put it <laughs> there, and it's supposed to like help with. <laughs> whatever <laughs> and uh nice and i don't know how much you know about radium but it's very radioactive and very dangerous okay so and it seems like a, a classic early 1900s thing yeah like it, it, it became a, a uh a fad and people just went crazy i love and it it was like it was like the miracle drug and people were like oh yeah it makes you makes you look and feel younger and it helps with infertility and like people are just making all these crazy claims. They put it in toothpaste. I know I said that earlier, but now I feel like they actually put it in toothpaste. They did, yeah. I forgot to put that on my list, but they did. Really? Yep. Nailed it. Nice. Uh, so one use for this is somebody found that you can create a luminescent paint with it. Uh-huh. Um, it's not the radium itself doesn't glow, but if if you combine it with some other chemicals, I think like zinc some kind of zinc compound. Then it glows in the dark. 
And so people started painting watch dials, the numbers and the hands on watches. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that became really popular and useful for soldiers in the trenches in World War One, because they could see the time, but it, it wasn't so much light that it would give away their position. Right. And so there was a few companies that started doing this and making a lot of money because they got some big government contracts. So there's a couple we'll talk about today, but one of them was called uh, United States Radium Corporation, mm-hmm. and they were lo- located in New Jersey. And they hired a lot of a lot of young girls to do the, the really fine painting because it's really small stuff, like down to like a millimeter. You have to be really precise with it. Right. And there was, remember, there's radium in this paint. And they would instruct the girls to do what's called lip pointing. So they would put the brush in their mouth, like between their teeth, and like spin it to get it like a really fine point. Oh, uh huh. Mm-hmm. And they would, some people would do it like between each number. And then some girls like hated the taste of it. So they just like wouldn't do it or like would use water or something. Yeah. But uh, they began doing that, and they were told that it's good for you, and it'll it'll help you out. It's like this amazing new discovery, and and these girls were getting paid a lot of money. One one woman said that she worked at a bakery, and she started earning twice as much. Holy cow! Painting watch dials, and some some girls would earn more than their dads. That's a a pretty good gig. Yeah, so it, it seems like a good gig. There's, it's like good working conditions. You get paid a lot, and it's just a, a simple job, uh-huh. which is paint, painting numbers. And uh, they, they would also like paint, uh, paint their fingernails and like paint mustaches on themselves. Yeah, why not? And paint their teeth, <laughs> and then just go in the dark and just like have fun because it's glow in the dark and it's kind of cool. <laughs> but after. After some time, the girls began getting sick. And what radium does is it it goes it's it's similar to calcium and it, it gets absorbed by the bones. Mm. And it kind of basically just starts eating away at bones. So it a lot of times it began with uh like mouth issues, teeth issues, uh-huh. like Oh, a girl would feel some tooth pain, go to the dentist, and and uh, one one doctor. He was a he was a doctor for a couple of these girls. He was a dentist. He he pulled at the tooth, one of the girl's teeth, and it just came out. <gasps> oh, that's weird. Yeah, yeah. If you're a little squeamish, <laughs> sorry. <but laughs> and there, there. That wasn't just a red flag right then. <laughs> Well, it was. He was like, uh, this is not good. <laughs> <laughs> Teeth are supposed to stay in. And and he also was just like feeling around in her, in her mouth and a piece of her jawbone <gasps> came out as well. No. Yeah. It's very gross. My uh, medical and opinion says that that's <laughs> bad. <laughs> that is, <laughs> in my professional opinion, that is bad. <laughs> so, yeah. You can imagine how horrifying that would be. And uh, 
for the the first girl that kind of had this radium poisoning, what they called it, who had her teeth and part of her jaw pulled out. Uh-huh. She actually later, I don't know if it was later that day or another vi- doctor visit, her whole jawbone came out. <gasps> no like way. Like it literally, radium literally just like eats eats at the bone and just slowly destroys it Yikes. and disintegrates it. And because they were lip pointing, that's kind of the the localized point is around the mouth. And that's horrible. So this is Dr. Kneff, and he's like, okay, I think something is probably <laughs> probably up with the the paint that you you're using at USRC. And even though they're telling you it's healthy, it's Something's wrong. Something's off. If you haven't noticed, your whole mouth is falling apart, literally. Yeah. And and when I was first learning about this, I was so confused. Like, how how can you not, like, make this this discovery and this connection? Like, as g- lots of girls start getting sick and have similar symptoms. Right. A lot of them starting with the mouth. Yeah, that, that seems like a simple connect the dots problem right there. Yeah. Yep. In, in the first girl... Uh, to die from radium poisoning, they they still didn't think it was radium, and so they they diagnosed her with syphilis and said that was the cause of death. Hmm. So it's still unknown that radium is very bad for you. <laughs> and a lot of a, a few doctors are suspicious, and and one of them is like, "Hey, you guys probably shouldn't be lip pointing." And they're like, "What?" And then he just like ran off. <laughs> they're like, "Oh." He, okay. He whispered it. Wait, from behind yeah. a newspaper <laughs> with a hat on. Don't do the <laughs> pointing thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and you can't the, for for the doctors that were suspicious about radium poisoning, you they couldn't diagnose it as radium poisoning, or you can't identify that it is radium. Apparently, maybe just at this time, without turning the affected bone to ash. So you have to like burn the bone and somehow, <laughs> and then science occurs. And, and then, <laughs> then science, <laughs> and that's exactly. when you know. <laughs> yeah, and so these girls, as they started to f- uh, figure out that something was was up with their working conditions, and it was a it was an occupational issue, mm-hmm. they formed something called the Society of the Living Dead, and their goal was to to get some financial payment from the company. And a lot of these girls were still working because it, it began as, as time went on, the great depression happened and, and it was really hard to find work. Yeah. But this was like a, a steady high paying job. So a lot of these girls, even though they knew that the radium was slowly killing them, they, they still had to work to, to cover their medical, medical bills as well. Yeah. And USRC is is like no, it's 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 not our fault. <laughs> radium's good for you. A lot of doctors say radium's good for you. Your bones are falling out on their own for different yeah. reasons. <laughs> yeah, they just said it's a it's a coincidence. Hmm. That seems suspicious. Yeah. So they they actually hired. They were having some bad press, so they hired a Harvard. Uh, doctor to come and do a report 
and he found a lot of issues and they he just found that they were the girls were covered in this radium paint radium dust uh-huh. just all over and he in the report that came out he like condemned USRC and he's like you guys need to change some things but they took his report and changed the words and released it and said no everything is fine classic yeah so the doctor that they hired to make everything better yeah. came in and said everything is not better and then they changed yes, it everything and said is not good. everything is better anyway <laughs> uh-huh and mm. uh you remember Dr. Kanef the one who began to suspect that it's radium poisoning he actually went to USRC and said Hey, if you pay me off, I will lie to the girls and tell them that everything's fine. What? And there, there's more to it, but not a good man. <laughs> <laughs> and so literally they paid him off. Holy cow. Can you imagine yeah. being one of those girls who's saying, hey, uh, my, like the left half of my jaw just kind of fell off into my mouth. And your doctor saying, mm-hmm. uh, no, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at radium's fine. It's it's another issue. Yeah, like oh, you have syphilis. <laughs> That's just crazy. It's horrible, and uh, it took him a it took the Society of the Living Dead a long time to find anyone that could help him. Mm-hmm. And they they went to court, and basically USRC just said, "Well, we're gonna wait." Or they <laughs> they're like, "We're just gonna take as long as we can with this." court case so that all these girls will hopefully die off by the time oh my goodness anything has been decided but eventually the girls settled out of court and were able to make a little bit of money but usrc still continued and so that's in new jersey and then moving on to illinois uh there's a a city called ottawa Mm -hmm. and basically the same same story same same business, same company that denied any issues with their product. Yeah. And so these girls in Ottawa had a difficult time finding a lawyer as well, but they, they found a guy, uh, Leonard Grossman, who he was like, yeah, I'm in. I'll help you guys. And he, he did everything pro bono because these girls didn't have any money because it costed so much to... They had so many medical bills. So he was an actual good guy. Yeah. <clears throat> so the the case kind of gained some publicity. And nationally, people sent in lots of letters and were supportive of the girls. And uh, people actually had some suggested cures. They wrote in and said, like, uh, you should have boiled milk or <laughs> gunpowder. Or here's some magic words you can try. All the moms out there. <laughs> Yeah, how about or try this rhubarb juice? Did you rub some? And there's on one company. Yeah, there's one electric blanket company that said our electric blanket should do the trick. <laughs> Your jaw's falling <laughs> apart. Here, snuggle up and watch a movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, nationally people were on their side, but locally, there was a lot of contempt towards them because this company in. Ottawa was called Radium Dial, and they provided a lot of jobs, and it was like the the main part of town. Mm-hmm. And people were saying, uh, 
you have a great job. You shouldn't be complaining. <laughs> and and uh, and there's a lot of a lot of drama. And <laughs> so so you can imagine your town is kind of like side eyeing you as you walk as you uh-huh. limp down the street. Because another issue is a lot of girls' legs. One leg would get shorter, like by a couple inches. Oh, that's horrible. And yeah, that's another symptom that a couple of girls had. So you can imagine going through the physical pain, your employer, you're trying to get some financial compensation from your employer. Uh-huh. Your town doesn't really like you. <laughs> you're just kind of infamous. And yeah, so these girls are <laughs> having a hard time. And there's one girl named Catherine Wolf who was with the with Radium Dial for nine years, and she had a limp. She still kept going to work because she needed the money. Their superintendent was like, hey, Catherine, I've got to let you go because you're like, you're doing a great job and everything, but your limp is causing some talk <laughs> and we can't have that. So he literally oh, fired cow. her because, because she was limping because like from the job. <laughs> so they permanently bad, bad press. They permanently injured her and then fired her because her injury was causing bad <laughs> exactly That's horrible holy cow yep and and so her or maybe it was another Catherine and and a girl named charlotte went to confront this guy mr reed and one of the girl uh charlotte had to have her arm arm amputated uh-huh. and Catherine could barely barely walk and so they they she could barely get up the six steps to the front door they meet mr reed and they confront him, and he literally says, "I don't, th- I don't think there's anything wrong with you." What? And they're just like, "What in the world?" Hey, hey, uh, Reed, I'm missing an arm. <laughs> <laughs> Get it together. And and so this this uh, court case gets bigger and bigger. Catherine Donahue was the the girl who the the court case was based around because she was the closest to dying uh-huh. and had like the the most severe case and she weighed 61 pounds no way on her deathbed and she couldn't even get out of bed so they had to bring the the court to her bed so she and could they testify. just sat around yeah yep and eventually the girls won and radium dial was shut down nice and it was it was a big hard-earned victory that took Many years, and and they they won uh, ten thousand dollars each, which is about one hundred fifty thousand today, and the equivalent of eighty nine hundred dollars per year, and then two hundred dollars a week for for their lives and all medical and legal expenses paid by the company. Wow! And Radium Dial was shut down. However, it wasn't a criminal charge against. The people who ran it, so they just started a new, new company called Luminous Processes. What? Yeah, and they actually get this. They they shut down. Uh, Luminous Processes shut down in 1976. What? This is when they stopped. So it was successful for like another 60 or 70 years. Yeah, I I think they they took the radium out after. They they still use radium for quite a while. Yeah, but still, um, the fact that they were mm-hmm. basically killing, like murdering people, 
and then thought, yep. well, we got away with this one. Let's uh, yeah, <laughs> let's start the next thing. Exactly. And uh, so if it, when they were shut down, the building that Luminous Processes was in turned into a meat packing plant. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people, a lot of people who who worked there got cancer. And then after that was shut down, it, it uh, they sold produce. And then the building was torn down, condemned and tor- torn down, and the remains were scattered scattered around town um, for Phil. And according to some local people, a lot of their dogs just around town didn't live to maturity. What? And wildlife had, had strange tumors. <gasps> and there was one girl that said, a girl whose sister was a dial painter said that everyone in her neighborhood had at least one person who had cancer. In their house. That is crazy. Yeah. And and today, a lot of the radium girls, if you stand over their grave with a Geiger counter, it'll spike and show that there's radioactivity still. No way. Even though the, even though the girls are buried in lead-lined coffins. That, holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... So there's, there were some very good things that came as a result of this. People very quickly, relatively quickly, learned about the dangers of radioacti- radioactivity, and and uh, there were there were thousands of dial painters. Yeah. Over the years, and and doctors studied as many as they could and learned a lot about radioactivity mm-hmm. and how much could be, uh, how much you can take and still be fine. And there were a lot of workers' safety laws that came out as a result of this and for laws that require companies to pay for on-site injury and sickness. And then OSHA actually is a direct result of this case. Oh, really? Of the case in Ottawa, yeah. Hmm. Yep, and there was a lot learned about just, like, nuclear bombs... I think one of the scientists who worked with Radium Girls went on to work with nuclear bombs as well, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. But that is Yeah, so that's that's the story of the Radium Girls who <laughs> slowly had their bones eaten by radium and then had to take on their employer. That's a I love a good story like that though, like an underdog fight the power yeah. story. Actually the there's one one woman who lived to be 107. Wow. Who was a dial Despite painter? Despite all the, that's crazy. Yep. And and uh, one story that I heard that I really liked was there's one woman. I think it was uh, the woman who had her arm cut yeah. off that I talked about, amputated. She when she was older, <laughs> her grandkid was like, uh, "Grandma, can you teach me how to jump rope?" And she's like, "Well." I only have one arm, so I don't know if I can wait. And then she tied one end to a fence, and then it was like jump roping and showing her <laughs> granddaughter how to jump rope. Oh, nice. So that's awesome. That's ingenuity right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's the story. Do you have any questions uh, or thoughts? I just, I am kind of beating myself up that I haven't heard of that before. That's like a pretty big story, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, there's... They made it. There's a documentary made in 1976. Uh-huh. There's a movie that just just came out. 
I saw like a 2017 release date, and then I also saw a 2020 release date. So maybe the release date was pushed way back or something. But yeah, there's a a movie about it, and then a book I listened to, which is free on Hoopla. If you know what that is, it's like a, a free library. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. App. Uh, it's just called The Radium Girls by Kate Moore. There's a lot of info in that if you're interested. Um, yeah, there's a lot more interesting information that I didn't cover here. That makes me scared. Well, not scared. It makes me wonder, I guess, if there's anything today that everyone's kind of being told is good but really isn't. I know that there's a lot mm-hmm. more stricter practice and testing today that would probably get rid of that. And we just know a lot more today, but like, yeah, makes me wonder like long-term effects, things that we have no idea about that we use regularly. Yeah. Yeah. And in like in a hundred years, are people going to be like, why did people? It's like the whole thing. Like, why did they? It's like people's whole fear of 5g right now. Of yeah. like radio <laughs> yeah. waves or or something. Yeah. Or there's the other one of like uh, having your laptop on your lap. I've heard that one a lot. Oh, is that is that bad? Really? I've heard like something about the heat or something is. <laughs> I don't know. Really? Yeah. I'm a I'm a skeptic, huh. but I guess if my bones start falling apart, I'll let you know. Then you'll know, yeah. Anyway, that was a good one. That was an interesting topic. Yeah, yeah. I I would recommend the book by Kate Moore if you uh, are interested at all. The book, which we'll put in the show notes, a link to it. Yeah, I'll link it. Yep. Okay. Cool. All right. What do you got? Uh. Okay, Josiah. What do you know about Sir Arthur Conan Doyle? Uh, he is the author of the Sherlock Holmes stories, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's pretty good. That's, that's all I know That's about pretty him, much the main thing that you need to know about him. But um, in reading a book about him, I discovered a fun little twist on his life um, that I think needs to be shared more publicly to the Learn Me Something community. So, if you would, please light your cherry wood pipe with me and let us travel back to 1917. (laughs) Can you hear that? (laughs) That's the sound of smoking a pipe. (laughs) (laughs) That reminds me of the shows where it's like bubbles coming out because they didn't want to, or like the cartoons. kid-friendly pipe. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, here we are. We are back in the good old Yorkshire village of Cottingley. And this is in uh, 1917. Um, So same time as uh, the uh, the Radium Girls. I know. We keep lining up time-wise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, anyway. uh, Arthur uh, Conan Doyle, as you mentioned, was the... Author, which I just realized I wrote in my notes, famous Arthur, <laughs> instead of famous author. <laughs> he is one of the most famous Arthurs behind the aardvark. 
Did you know uh, he's an aardvark? The Arthur? Yeah. Uh-huh. That is... He does not look like an aardvark to me. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't... I don't think that I would know what an aardvark would look like, though. <laughs> unfortunately. I don't have that knowledge in my head. <laughs> anyway. Okay, back to the story. Wow, we are like 30 seconds in, and I've... Like, diverged us many times. Uh, I have to. Sorry. Okay. Continue. Um, so, famous Arthur, uh, he wrote 60 Sherlock Holmes stories. Four of them were novels, and 56 of them were short stories. Um, something that I learned about him is that he was kind of a spiritualist, which you hmm. can interpret that however you want. Uh, I don't really know what that means, other than the fact that he believed that there were things greater than the eye has seen or can seen, if that makes sense. So not necessarily religious, but he just believes in kind of all these mystic spiritualist things. Yeah. To give you a definition. out there. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so he's kind of in that community with the spiritualist people. And that's, interestingly enough, in the 19... hundreds 1910 20 era is kind of a fad so he's kind of in that community is a main a big name in that community um and so this is the time where he's already incredibly famous and one of the most well-known writers uh in the world at the time and he gets a letter one day from one of his friends um felicia Scath- Scatchard. Scath- <laughs> Scatchard. We're going to say Scatchard. Okay. Um, so it's 1920. He gets this letter, and Felicia is one of his spiritualist friends. And she says, hey, Doyle, Conan, Arthur, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there is a, there's something you'd need to know about. Um we have proven officially the existence of fairies in Yorkshire. And this is, <laughs> this is something that you need to know. So. I uh, kind of feel like this kind of is ringing a bell. It's, I think it's a pretty popular story about, it's called, the, the story is the Cottingley fairies, if that rings a bell. Anyway, well, Anything? I guess we'll see. Okay, no. <laughs> I'll just keep going. You can stop me yeah. if you recognize something. So here you've got uh, Doyle, who is the writer of Sherlock Holmes, one of the greatest uh, detective sleuthing minds in the world. Um, and so in order to write that story, I think that you would have to have some of those concepts down of Sherlock Holmes. Uh, so... And there's some proof that Doyle is actually pretty brilliant as a detective. Um, in uh, I read some stories about him that said that he, you know, he went in and actually helped exonerate men that were like falsely imprisoned using the methods of Sherlock Holmes. Oh so, wow! Yeah. So in theory, uh, he's actually pretty brilliant enough to. First of all, enough to be able to think up the story of Sherlock Holmes, which is a feat in itself, um, to kind of be able to create that mind. And second, to be able to apply some of those principles in real life and actually help people. 
Anyway, so keep in mind, you've got that guy who has created one of the smartest minds in fiction. Uh, and he gets a letter saying, hey, there's fairies in Yorkshire. Check it out. And so he immediately goes, oh, you know that there is. <laughs> I, I believe this. And so all, all of his, you know, all of his brilliant Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes detective skills are like out the window. And he's like, you guys, there's fairies in Yorkshire. <laughs> you guys! You guys seen this? <laughs> so he, uh, he attaches some pictures, some photographs. And this is back when, you know, photography is a much more difficult thing than it is right now. Um, back when they had flip phones. <laughs> yeah, this is back when it was still just flip phones. They hadn't yeah. even heard of smartphones yet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he gets these uh, photos, and he looks at them, and he looks at them with a little bit of skepticism. Um, and so with his skepticism, he decides to, uh, before doing any investigating of his own, just write an article to The Strand, which was a popular British magazine. Um, and he just titled it, Fairies Photographed, uh, an epoch-making event described by A. Conan Doyle. So he is skeptical of these fairies, but as a way to display his skepticism, he writes an article for the whole world saying... Whoa, check out these fairies. They're real. (laughs) (laughs) So then after he writes that article, he decides, well, this probably should take a little bit of investigating, uh, and I should look into this a little bit more. So he takes the pictures, and he takes them to George Eastman Kodak, which would be later known as Kodak, the company. Um. Oh, he, he like he takes it to the company, not the person. He takes it to the company, right? Okay. And uh, which was named George Eastman Kodak at the time. Okay. Okay. And he says, "Hey, I need a professional opinion on these photos." And they get back to him and they say, uh, "There, we can't see any evidence of any type of photo doctoring, so the photo itself is real." Um, But then they say, but someone who knows enough about photography could fake these. Um, And Doyle decides to hear that as, nope, these are real pictures. (laughs) 100%. They said they're real. Not doctored. So a little bit about the pictures uh, before we dive a little bit more into the story. Um, The pictures were taken in 1917, so three years prior by two younger girls, um, Elsie Wright and Frances Griffiths. And uh, so their story was that they went out into, you know, their backyard, a field, and they saw these fairies, and they thought, we got to photograph these. So they went back, got a camera, went out there again, photographed these fairies. Uh, And then they showed their parents and Elsie's dad said, there ain't no fairies in, this, in these parts. <laughs> and so he kind of files away the pictures, dismisses it as a joke. Um, and anyway, Elsie's mom totally believes it. 
she believes the story completely and she kind of jumps into this spiritualist world and she passes the photos along. And so that's kind of... It's like a email chain. (laughs) Yeah, she emails all of her closest (laughs) friends (laughs) and uh, gives them the picture and then they, you know, it gets passed around in that community for a while until it reaches uh, Conan's pal who then sends a letter to him with a copy of the pictures attached. And uh, (laughs) so there's the pictures. So he takes them to get analyzed. He writes the article. And already, you know, it's out in the public because he's one of the biggest biggest names in writer. (laughs) Holy cow. Writerdom. (laughs) (laughs) That was not my best sentence. (laughs) He's one of the bigger names in the world right now. And so uh, people kind of just think he's an idiot. For believing in this. Yeah. Uh, so he decides this needs some more investigating. And he gets his closest friend, Edward Gardner, um, one of your ancestors, I believe. <laughs> yep. Yep. And uh, he tells him, hey, listen, dude, there's fairies in Yorkshire. I need you to go check it out and investigate it for me. <laughs> So, <laughs> sends Gardner down, and <laughs> Gardner uh, goes down, he meets the family, he interviews the parents, and then he interviews the kids who are cousins of each other, um, and then the kids take him out to where they saw the fairies, and uh, he, he checks it out, writes back to Conan, and says, oh yeah, these, this <laughs> is the real deal. It, you gotta come check it out. <laughs> um, so he basically begs the parents, uh, Elsie's parents. He says, "Hey, we we gotta get more pictures of these fairies." And parents say, "Well, we can't um, because uh, Frances just moved to the seaside town of Scarborough." And so he is so... And she, she's the one with the camera? Uh, she's just one of the girls. And Elsie claims that she can't, she can't do it without both of them there. So she says, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't take any pictures. Thinking that that's going to get her out of the situation. So like the girls are the only ones that can lead people to the fairies Ye- at this point? Yes. Um, <laughs> which I guess now would be a good time maybe to let you in on kind of an important detail of the story, which is these girls totally made up everything. And the fairies in the picture are literally cardboard cutouts that one of them painted. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so uh, what about Gardner? Was he, he's like, oh, this is a great joke. So here's the, I was going to save all the faults of this story until the end, but. uh, Oh, here's the. Sorry. I'm asking too many questions. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's, it's fun. Um, here's the deal about Gardner. He, uh, this is a mistake of Doyle's in the investigative process. The person that he enlisted to investigate for him happened to actually be a diehard believer of fairies before, <laughs> before any of this ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> 
So naturally, he's a little biased. Yeah, he is extremely biased already, to the point where before he goes um, to investigate, he's actually writing to Elsie's mom, trying to get the girls to take more pictures. And before he even goes down there, he writes in a letter to her, um, direct quote, I know quite well that fairies exist (laughs) and that they are shy of showing themselves or approaching adults. So it, it, and it is only when one can obtain the help of their young friends that one can hope to obtain photographs and hence lead to a better understanding of nature's ways than it is possible otherwise. Nature's ways. Okay. Yeah, so before Gardner even gets there to investigate, he's saying, listen, I'm about to come see if these are real, but uh, Which they they're are. real. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the only way that I can see them is if your daughter helps me out. And, <laughs> uh, and uh, so he goes down there. He invest- investigates, I say with air quotes, because he's already a believer. Yeah. Um, he goes to the spot where the pictures are taken. He questions the girls, and he asks what color the fairies were. He writes back to Doyle and says, they're the palest of green, pink, and mauve. Um, and then, you know, at the end, his verdict is that all of their family's responses were transparently honest and simple. And so with that, they had completely convinced him that the photographs were entirely genuine and that fairies are without a doubt real. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he he goes out with uh Elsie. Elsie is her name? Yes. He goes out with Elsie and she's like, uh they're usually here, but I can't uh they don't come out unless Francis is here. And he's like, Okay, I believe it. And then <laughs> And then he asks the mom. She's like, yeah, I believe in fairies. And then she asks the dad. And he's like, nope. And he's like, and then uh, Gardner's like, I believe it. (laughs) Yep. Basically. (laughs) That is exactly right. So the reason this story is so funny is because this might be the dumbest investigation (laughs) through and through (laughs) led by the writer of the smartest investigator. (laughs) (laughs) If Sherlock was alive and was real i think that he would probably slap arthur in the face and be like this is you're being (laughs) ridiculous uh anyway so to continue the story uh gardner goes so far as to arrange for francis to spend part of her summer back with elsie's family because this is how serious it is and uh so they make it work. Francis' parents says, you know what? Why not? You know, it's a friend of Elsie anyway. So they go back. Elsie pulls Francis off to the side and says, listen, um, which Gardner's not there at this point. Right. right. Um, so she pulls her off to the side and says, listen, this is getting out of hand. Uh, <laughs> but we're kind of forced into this because Doyle bought them both cameras and says, I need more pictures. Oh my goodness. Of this fairies. <laughs> and uh so Francis Francis and Elsie are like, This is this is too far, but I'm, we're in this and we gotta uh, <laughs> we gotta commit. <laughs> and Elsie's the painter here. Elsie says, Look, I made a couple more fairies. 
Let's just go out. Let's get a couple more pictures, and then we need to agree in secret to never take another picture of a fairy again. So they say, okay, we'll take a couple more pictures, and we're never doing this ever again because it's gone too far. Uh, and so they go out. They take three pictures. One of them is actually not faked. Uh, like there's not a doll or a, like one of the cardboard cutouts in the picture. It's just a yeah. third picture that one of them took. <clears throat> and uh, so they send these to Doyle and Gardner, who absolutely loved the new content. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> They're double tapping uh, it up. Yep. <laughs> and so uh, Doyle decides, this is 1921 at this point, he decides, okay, need to write another article for The Strand. So he writes an article <laughs> called, <laughs> titled The Evidence for Fairies by A. Conan Doyle. Um, and then later that year, he writes a full book called no. The Coming of the Fairies that includes both articles and then, you know, talks more about everything. So um, it's, and his, it's like a nonfiction book. Uh, yes. He, this isn't a Sherlock book. This is him, like, writing <laughs> evidence and proving the existence of fairies for the whole world. <laughs> and then Gardner, in 1945, so 24 years after this, also writes uh, a piece called The Cottingly photographs and their sequel and this is his uh this is his book or i, I don't know if it's a full book or just an article but this is his yeah. writing on the matter uh -huh. um 24 years later so to end the story then we'll dive into why some of his detective work may not have been up to par <laughs> um <clears throat> basically thousands of people actually believed it, started believing it. And so this whole fairy fad kind of took over. And uh, there were some skeptics. And over time, they started to kind of debunk things. And we're finally James Randi, a, a, a super skeptic of the fairies, finally debunks it when he discovers a book called uh, Princess Mary's Gift Book which was written in 1915. Um, and the <laughs> in the book are these dancing girls with wings. And these girls were pretty much exact, exact replicas of the cardboard cutouts <laughs> from, from the it's picture. It's almost as if someone cut them out. And yep. And so he, <laughs> <laughs> so he goes public and he's like, listen, guys. I don't know why it took this much evidence to convince <laughs> you that this was false, but here it is. Here's the final <laughs> straw on the camel's back. Um, and so that's, this is when people kind of started believing, okay, yeah, all, all right, I'm with you. This is not real. Um, and so the ladies in, 19, in the 1980s, um, they finally come forward and they said, you guys... We've, we've got big news. All those fairy pictures that we took, they were totally faked. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so they start, it kind of makes the news again. 
that they finally confess. And they ask him, why did you wait so long? And they say, to be completely honest, we were so embarrassed for Conan that oh. we wanted to wait until well past his death to come oh. forward because we felt so bad that... And there's some direct quotes of their uh, interview that I read. They were like, we were the village people, and he was one of the greatest minds in the world at the time. And we just felt so bad. (laughs) And they said that they saw cartoons made about Arthur that were totally just putting him down. And they just felt bad about it. (laughs) That's really funny. They waited until after he was dead to... uh, to come forward with the shocking news that the fairies were not real. <laughs> oh, man. And so Francis Griffith's daughter and granddaughter um, actually have the original prints now, and they have one of the cameras that Doyle gave way back in the day, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. And it was funny. There's an article that said... Uh, at one point, both the daughter and the granddaughter were believers because the mom kind of kept it going as a fun thing for them, kind yeah. of like Santa or the Easter Bunny, but that they uh, neither of them believe anymore because they weren't so dumb <laughs> to believe something <laughs> like that. Because they were children? <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so that's <laughs> that's basically the whole story. Um, which just kind of cracks me up. Real fast uh, into some of why maybe the the detective work wasn't so great. Um, So first of all, Kodak's verdict, so when when Doyle got the photo analyzed by Kodak, they said two things. They said, one, we don't think it was faked, but two, if someone knew enough about the picture enough about photography they could fake the picture and uh doyle mistakenly believed that since the girls were from working class family that those tricks being able to trick and fake the photos was beyond them he just didn't think they were capable of it so he Mm -hmm. believed right away um and uh, another thing was that he sent Gardner, who was obviously not a non-biased investigator from yeah. the start, and who had been talking beforehand with the mom, <laughs> fully discussing how like he believed before he even went there. I would like uh, to come see these fairies, please. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I'm going to investigate. It's hey, I want to. I want to see the Take fairies. Take me to him. Yeah. Um, and then a third thing is that they had this misperception of Elsie. So this is kind of a weird one. They both just kind of assumed that Elsie was this shy girl who was about 16 years old, when in reality she was almost 19. And they totally skipped over the fact that she, one of her career goals was to be an artist. And so there were like really well-painted watercolors hung all around her house. But Gardner totally just skipped by him to see the fairies, like didn't notice all of her artwork, how good she was, like how she could have painted these. (laughs) 
He just, I can just imagine he like knocks on the door, they open it, he's like, take me to the ferries. They're like, oh, come in. No, take me to the ferries. It's a, it's hurry, raining hurry. and dark <laughs> outside. <laughs> Let's go. Take me to the ferries. <laughs> uh, and then the last kind of mistake that they made was they kind of forced them to uh, take more pictures, which in doing so, they kind of created their own evidence, which is not... Yeah really a thing that you try to do when you're a detective. (laughs) Yeah. One last kind of fun thing about the story, and then I'll be done. Uh, I mentioned that they, when they were given the cameras and told to take more pictures, they took three pictures, two of which were faked. The third, Elsie took, and she was the younger of the two, and she believed up even when they confessed 50 years or 60 years later she believed that that third picture was real and that picture got conan and gardner really excited because they called it a fairy bower or bower however you pronounce it which is like a i guess a home for the fairies and it was literally Elsie said that she um, saw some fairies coming up after they were done, and she bent over and snapped a pic, and it is just, it looks like there's some leaves and some grass, and the ground is kind of wet, and there's some weird shadows. Um, but 60 years later, she believed still that those were actual, actual fairies, a real and even Frances is like, uh, that was just her imagination. She didn't, <laughs> she didn't actually see him. But <laughs> there you go. So, so two, she, she like faked him, but yeah. she actually thought there were fairies. Well, because the last one, the last picture, she didn't use the fake fairies. It was right. just a picture of the ground. But she believed for all her life that those were real. That the picture she, the fifth picture that she took that there were real fairies in that picture. <clears throat> that sounds like a joke. Sounds like a she was pulling it. Her, her one last. Her, <laughs> yeah, her, her greatest prank. Yeah. That's kind of um, crazy. Francis said in the interview when they confessed, I never thought of it as being a fraud. It was just Elsie and I having a bit of fun. And I still can't understand to this day why those photos were taken in. <laughs> Basically saying, I still don't get why anybody believed those. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there you go. That is the story of how the writer of one of the greatest detective minds fell for the easiest, dumbest prank of some <laughs> teenage girls back in the 20s. <laughs> so he, he never found out. Nope. He? he died believing that those fairies were real. Wow. Because they didn't have the heart to confess while he was still alive. That's crazy. I'm try- I'm just trying to imagine if like say like you and me were out in the woods and then we took a picture and photoshopped a cyclops in the background. <laughs> uh-huh. And then and then posted it on social media, it goes viral and then like Malcolm Gladwell emails us and is like, hey, <laughs> I'm going to need you to 
to get some more pictures of that. <laughs> I, uh, then, I believe you. I'm sending a guy, a Cyclops expert. <laughs> and then we're like, ha, uh, okay. <laughs> and then... <laughs> then we're like, okay. We, <laughs> we'll, we'll Photoshop a few more, but we can't tell him. Not until he dies. <laughs> Not, we'll tell people once he... <laughs> You're right. I didn't even think about how weird that is, like, in the modern day. First of all, I, that so I did read that photography was used, it was considered more of, like, a scientific instrument back in the day because it was less, you know, it was less yeah. prevalent than it is today. Yeah. Today, I think, I mean, you couldn't do anything without everyone saying, oh, it's Photoshopped or it's yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, that was... <laughs> That would be so funny. <laughs> <laughs> or like you, you like accidentally prank a celebrity, and then you're uh-huh. like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> like what are you? You're just stuck in that lie until they're dead. <laughs> or it's like, either that, or you publicly humil- humiliate them in like the worst yeah. way possible. Yeah. That's, Holy cow, <laughs> that's very funny. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, there you have it. Um, and you can see, you can look up the pictures. It's, I mean, maybe they were impressive back in the day, but they don't, they're not that great, if you ask me. <laughs> okay, I'm looking it up. Arthur Conan Doyle, fairy. Oh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like a picture of one of the girls, like, <laughs> posing. It's like a, she's doing like a senior photo pose. <laughs> And then there's like, oh, they're actually painted. I thought it was just like a white silhouette or something. And they're no. like, one of them's one of them's playing like a clarinet. <laughs> and they're just like stuck in the ground. <laughs> so oh, it's like a photo shoot. <laughs> yeah, I. It is kind of upsetting to me that he fell for these. So easily. <laughs> That's really funny. Oh my gosh. Okay, what's the one of the ground? Oh, is it this one? Yes. That's the one yeah. that got them the most excited. So there's... <laughs> it's just like a bunch of grass and something draped. What are those? I guess I, I could see how they would think it's like fabric or something. Like a curtain. Yeah, and if you already think that fairies exist, you could yeah. make a fairy out of that. Yeah, yep. You could. That one kind of could look like a fairy. Um, here's what Doyle had to say. This is a direct quote in his second article um, about this specific picture. He said, "This is especially remarkable as it contains a feature quite unknown to the girls: the sheath or cocoon appearing in the middle of the grasses had yeah. not been seen by them before." and they had no idea what it was. Fairy observers of Scotland and the New Forest, (laughs) however, (laughs) were familiar with it and described it as a magnetic bath woven very quickly by the fairies and used after dull weather, in the autumn especially. The interior seems to be magnetized in some manner that stimulates and pleases. (laughs) So it's like an electric blanket. Exactly. 
<laughs> but just look at that picture and see if you can make out any of what he just said. Can, uh, can you see I the magnetism in there? Certainly. <laughs> yeah, I th- I think he nailed it. <laughs> but <laughs> that was according to the the Fairy Believers Club in Scotland, right? <laughs> fairy observers of about Scotland and the New Forest. <laughs> about the magnetism. Yes, and wow. uh, okay. Here's here's a final quote from him. Um, There is nothing scientifically impossible, so far as I can see, in some people seeing things that are invisible to others. And then he says, Victorian science would have left the world hard and clean and bare, like a landscape in the moon. Um, But now, with the coming of the fairies, everything has changed. The experiences of children will be taken more seriously. Cameras will be forthcoming. Other well-authenticated cases will come along. These little folks who appear to be our neighbors with only some small difference of vibration to separate us will become familiar. (laughs) So I'll uh, I'll close my topic with that. The beliefs of who was supposed to be one of the smarter people in the world. That's crazy. So there you have it, man. Um, So uh, what's our punishment for this? This episode. Okay, our punishment for this accidental 1920s themed episode <laughs> is to to we're not gonna quite do the blazing wings challenge from uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, but you have to get you have to eat all six of the blazing wings. You have to just get like a small size and uh-huh. eat them all. And this this is d- gonna be horrible because neither of us are good with spicy. Yeah, even thinking about this kind of makes me sweaty because I'm <laughs> just a little nervous. <laughs> so uh, I I ask our listeners kindly to consider <laughs> voting for the story of the Radium Girls so that, uh, not so that I don't have to eat hot wings, but so that their story... Maybe shared and learned from. Mm, you're gonna go that direction with it. <laughs> no, that seems that seems uh, off. Uh, just vote for me, so I don't have to eat six wings. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, vote for me, too. <laughs> Everybody, vote for each of us. <laughs> I mean, my I just think that my story is real funny. That's. Kind of all I have. (laughs) And also, I just really, really don't want to... I'm scared of really hot food. (laughs) All right, let's let's end Caleb's winning streak. I'm sick of losing. Hey, now. I'm sick of, like, moonwalking and taping my thumbs to my hands. (laughs) It's it's not as much fun as it sounds. (laughs) Well, before you were doing that, I was doing... Uh, 5Ks backwards and writing whole songs with recorders. So I think that we've been pretty equally injured by this uh, podcast. Yeah, you can can think what you want. (laughs) We all have our opinions. (laughs) All right, will you wrap it up? Yeah, so uh, to vote, you can go to our Instagram, Twitter, or Reddit, and that's all at Learn Podcast. 
and we'll also link those in the show notes and put a direct link to the poll to a poll in the show notes as well so that's at learn podcast again yes um and uh we look forward to seeing you guys or letting you listen to us (laughs) in the next episode yeah uh real quick we've got some some five-star reviews can i read a few of these yeah please let's do some shout outs yeah and uh also i want to start doing something uh i'm gonna give away a thing to someone who reviews us it doesn't have to be five stars it could be any any type of review but i'm gonna send you something i'm not gonna tell you what it is it'll be different every week but hmm this week to the um, we're gonna do randomly choose but i oh i've I've got a thing Uh, (laughs) um you can't see him right now but he's literally just like crawling around in his room like (laughs) looking for things to send (laughs) okay okay here is the here's what i'm gonna give the winner oh nice (laughs) (laughs) this here's a sound sound clue that's hilarious okay uh uh we're not gonna say what it is just know that if you leave a review positive or negative just if you leave a review review. you will receive a thing and it is pretty funny um okay um and we're all I'll include the people who have reviewed in the past as well, so they're not left out. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. The, these are one of my favorite things. <laughs> I, I sometimes give these to people. Okay, so... Uh, okay, uh, let us let me read this one. This one is from Caitlin Parmalee. Uh, this is my new favorite podcast. I wish I started listening sometime in the future so I could binge 20-plus episodes at once. I love the competitive aspect of the show. It's original and refreshing to listen to. Did Tuesday just become my new favorite day of the week? You Thank know it. Thank you so much, did. Caitlin. That's so awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, Caitlin, really. Uh, that is awesome. That that makes my ego uh, burst. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so again, I will pick a random review and send this thing to them. And uh, yes, thank you so much for listening and voting and reviewing. And for uh, topic suggestions and, and everything that people do to get involved. Yes. Very, very fun. Um, and with that, I guess we bid you all adieu. Go look for some fairies. Yep. Uh, all right. Play us out, Larry. Larry.